G'day punters and welcome to Tabs Inside 50. Nick Quinn here, joined as per usual by the legend from the Hawthorne Footy Club, Shane Crawford. G'day Crawford. Nick Quinn, great to see you, great to see you, Glenn, the man you're about to introduce. Yes, thank you for cutting me off there before I got to do the introduction because normally he's known as the happiest and nicest man in AFL media, but this week, Glenn McFarlane... I think it's safe to say you're public enemy number the one. Villain. Welcome back oh, up. The villain, It McFarlane. feels weird. It feels weird to be hated, isn't it? It's weird. It feels like uh, what some certain other journalists... No one hates you, Glenn. ...over the journey. No, it's been an interesting week or so. Quinny, it's been good. Um, You've got to cop the, the good with the bad, don't you? You're, you're saying hated and... What have I done what, wrong? Yeah, what's happened here? I didn't say hated. He no, did, he did. did he say hated? No. I thought he did. No, I didn't. Most disliked. No, I didn't say that. Oh, I said God. the villain. Gee, oh, gee, I'm paranoid, aren't I? <laughs> you were wearing a mask not for the COVID because Correct. you wanted to be hidden Correct. from the public eye. Full body the mask. The reason you've upset a couple in the AFL world is you did a terrific story with a few of your journalists, the young apprentice at the Herald Sun, Jay Clark. And who else was in there? Was uh, it Ralphie? A certain bloke called John Ralph. Yeah, who, so, uh, yeah he goes pretty well too. He can polarise as well. <laughs> Basically naming and shaming the players for how much they earned. Naming. Not shaming. <laughs> not shaming, yes. It, it's a it's an interesting space. As soon as you start talking about people's wages, and uh, it's been debated for a long time that it should be public knowledge, but I'm sure the players don't want that. I'm sure the clubs don't want that because they don't want to know that. Hey, Nick Quinn, for example, we're on the the tab team. Okay, we're going beautifully. I've just had a an amazing year, my fourth best and fairest. You've had uh, a breakout year where um, you know you made the All Australian team. And then you've got a better manager than I have, and you've gone in and negotiated three hundred thousand more than than I've got, and the club doesn't want me to know about that. So this is the this is the dicey area that it gets to because you have stronger managers and you have players that push a bit harder, and they get fed a bit more, and it can really it can actually break a club, not actually make a club. Well, it did cause a little bit of a stir, and this is what Melbourne champion Ruckman Max Gorn had to say. My lovely wife uh, sent me a photo of what was supposedly my wage and said, uh, you didn't tell me you were on this much. Um, now, this could be an all-time Swifty from you, yes. earning significantly <laughs> less to Jess than what you really are and are just pocketing a nice little profit. Yeah, and I said I didn't tell you that because they have got my wage wrong by yep. upwards of $250,000. That's unbelievable. Which seems like very, very lazy reporting to mine. Now, Macca, walk us through that because you might have given Max a little bit of a pay rise. <laughs> oh, good on him. He should be thanking us, shouldn't he? He should be thanking us. Now, with that, and, and just from the outset, lazy journalism. I, I take what he said there, and I'm sure he believes that. We spent, in fairness, we spent uh, close to a month on that where we spoke to, the three of us spoke to, uh, significant people in the industry. When I say significant, I won't name them because they were very helpful in terms of helping us with uh, coming up with the numbers. We didn't do it to name and shame the players. There's no way we did that. Um, we were asked to do this task. And in, in NRL, that happens everywhere, every year in the NRL. They do the similar sort of list. It's a lot more open and a lot more transparent. Here, it's not. You've got players that are earning big money. You've got players who are not earning big money who are getting you know this figure put to their name. Now, with Max, we'll come back and I'll... I'll support us in this regard, and I'll take Max at his word. I know that Jay-Z has already said he'll donate money if Max is prepared to, to come out and show his... We don't want that. We're not interested in that. Um, but all I'll say is Max is talking, we believe, about his base salary. He's not including his ASA, the Additional Services Allowance, which can be up to $100,000. So that's a big... Uh, he, he is the most marketable person at Melbourne, no question at all. There's a few people, there's certainly one person who 
is about to challenge him. Is, would Petrarca. he be the highest paid player at Melbourne, do you think? There's a, quite a number of players at yeah, Melbourne. And this few, is the they've, extraordinary they've thing. They've a few from other clubs and they've yeah. had to probably pay overs. We had him as this, the highest paid player. This is where it gets a bit dicey, Quinny. Mm. And like, and where Glenn, like Glenn, I've known Glenn for a long time and you will not get a more honest, uh, straight down the line journalist than Glenn McFarlane. I can vouch for him. Some others, well, you know, you, you, <laughs> you take a pick out of the barrel. You never know what you're going to get. But they're all Good people, they're just trying to drive stories. But I know for a fact that Glenn McFarlane goes behind the scenes and he does his research. And from where do you get the information from? Well, you just got to think about it. There's a lot of people that have been sacked out of footy this year. There's a lot of people that, you know, get moved on in between jobs. So you, you go to them, you ask for information, you go to management. And sometimes they don't want to give up much. But then again, they might give you something because they've got some players who they just can't seem to get a bit more and pretty much what they're worth. So for some managements out there, it's good for them to actually, yes, they get a little piece of the pie along the way, but it's actually good to get that information out there. So I reckon if you do a bit of digging and a bit of scratching around, you can get to the bottom, maybe not exactly to the letter of how much someone's being paid, but you can pretty much get in that ballpark and that's where it gets really dicey. Now, if I don't ask you this, everyone will have a crack at me. Hmm. What was the most you got paid in a season? Okay, the most true, the most I could potentially earn in a season was up to about $800,000. Did I earn that much? No, but I had, uh, during my time, there was obviously a lot of incentives, you know, from all Australians to best and fairest. Um, Back when I first started, they had lots of incentives, which I look at now and I'm thinking, that's just ridiculous. Um, And that was for players to kick goals. What was because, the weirdest incentive you had? Well, that, that just creates selfishness, you know. So for, say, Jack Revolt today, it's like, okay, if you kick 100 goals, we'll give you a huge bonus. But do you know what? That just creates him to be selfish in a team. So that's sort of the way it used to be back then. But, like, I, I'm okay from a contract point of view because I never thought that I was ever overpaid. And I thought, do you know what? If I play to the level that I can and I achieve all the uh, – all the um, everything that's sort of there that can get you to that very best level, um, you deserve something like that. Did I ever get there? I had one year where I almost got there, and that was obviously a Brownlow medal year. Um, But, yeah, so incentive-wise, I think it's really important. I know a lot of players these days from a contract point of view have – they just take a a lump sum because they, you know, they're worried about injury and, and so forth. But I, I do like having some kind of incentive there. It like what? The what are some incentives well, do you uh, like? Definitely team, team-based. You know, for the team to do well, the team to win premierships, that type of thing is really important. I think best and fairest are really important because it's it's within the team and the organisation how they see your role. And we do see a lot of best and fairests won by, you know, defenders or halfbacks or people who play, you know, interesting roles. Um yeah, I think it's very important to have that incentive, but um, I think you've got to be very careful when it comes to paying over players because the other players crack it and you you don't know exactly what's going on, but you know from a management point of view and, and just from reading articles and hearing noise around the club, you just know when some players push too hard, they get what they want. But do you know what? It means the 33rd person on our list who was going to be a veteran of some sort and we could pay him a little bit more, he's got to go. So it can unsettle a football club as well. So you've got to be – I think you've just got to be fair, you've got to be reasonable, and you've got to be realistic.
Yeah, I think the incentives thing is the point here. And that's what we, uh, this is an estimate. What we said, it is an estimate. It is the best, closest thing we could possibly get. Uh, we looked at a lot of incentives and just harking back to Max, we weren't uh, in any way trying to make Max unhappy, uneasy. We love Max. He is the great, uh, not only a great player, he's probably the best media performer, I reckon, in the game. I enjoy, and, and that's why I love his honesty here, being honest about he's having a crack at us, good on you. We put it out there to, to be cracked, and we thought we would get more criticism than we actually did get. Uh, just as far as Max is going, I mentioned the ASA, which, was, which is the additional services allowance that the stars of each club are able to get. And that's a significant fee. Uh, but there's also uh, best and fairest, as Croft was saying, uh, incentives as well, all Australians' incentives. When he signed that contract, he'd obviously had an injury-prone year, but he was already, already the best ruckman in the game. He signed it at the end of 2017. 2016, he was the best ruckman in the game, uh, all Australians. So uh, this was not to have a crack at Max to say, oh, I think most of these players are underpaid in a lot of ways for what they do. And the point we were trying to get with this exercise is to expose some of the, the contracts that were wrong. Every contract that ever gets done, guys, the papers always have a line about so-and-so is getting, you know, 500000 over five years or whatever. There's always that line there. We wanted to dispel some of the mists as best as we possibly could and try and get to a level where we... And we also wanted to... This is a COVID year. So we also wanted to find out how much these players, particularly the top end, the top end players are actually sacrificing because of COVID. And when you look at it, it's $21 million that the hundred top 100 played, paid players in the competition have sacrificed this year because of COVID to keep the game afloat. And probably a four or five year window where you can potentially earn, you know, maximum money and, um, you know, especially if you can get yourself into the best couple within your football club. Um, and then as Glenn did say, you know, from a marketing point of view and all, all those things thrown into it. But you go back to my very first year, okay? <laughs> I rocked up to Hawthorne. I said, I don't have a car and, you know, can you help me out? And they said, sure. So I rocked up to training and they're Dermot Brewer and Roxini's beautiful Lamborghini. And then I get off the train and there's this beautiful sort of car, secondhand car, but it's white and shiny and clean. I thought, you beauty. It went like a lawnmower, but um, it did the job for me. So then I play all year. I play almost 20 games throughout the year, including the finals. And when they used to pay early on, you'd get your check at the end of the year because during the year you'd have a job anyway. So that's what would used to happen. So I got my check and it was for about $5,000. And I'm like, okay. And then I thought they'd given me the car. But they'd actually taken that money out of the car as well. So here I was, my very first AFL year, and I've played 20-odd games and thinking, this is great. I'm going to be able to feed mum. I'm going to be able to buy her a house. This is good. I get 5000 bucks. That's not even enough to go on the footy trip because I've got to save some money for Christmas as well. And a lawnmower for a car. And I've got to put, put some petrol in the bloody lawnmower. So, um, so it's not all... It's not all it's all cracked up to be. You have a small very small window and the players deserve everything that's thrown their way. Mm. They really do in that time. They're in a cocoon, a bit like a cult, uh, where it's like it's this or nothing. You've got to make the most of your life. You've got to dedicate yourself. If you get career-ending injuries, you deserve to be paid accordingly, especially if your form can be warranted. Were you lucky enough to ever get into Dermot's Lamborghini? No, he used to rock up. He used to rock up, seriously, in a Lamborghini. Um, and then one, when he was on his Lamborghini, he'd rock up on his Harley Davidson. 
<laughs> and that was my introduction to the Hawthorne Football Club, my very first year coming from the country. This is a salary cap cheating Hawthorne Football Club. Oh, is that no, right? Is no that correct? Well, it, well, I can assure you, it wasn't with me. Allegedly. Shall we say allegedly? Well, back then, uh, you know, all these little brown paper bags being handed around, which didn't happen with me, but I can assure you that um, I would have liked that. But uh, no, it definitely wasn't the case. I got a $5,000 check at the end of my first year. And uh, yeah, it was petrol for the car. Don't spend it all at once. You talk about sometimes a player being overpaid can have ramifications in the culture and the morale of the team. Do you think that could be the case with Melbourne? Would they have picked up the newspaper and they've seen a lot of their players that are listed there that are simply not performing? I think that's part of the um, the, the biggest whackback we got was from Melbourne Football Club. Not uh, as a collective, but it came from Max, and that's okay. Uh, he's obviously but Max deserves it. Correct, the money. he absolutely deserves but the money. Some of the but other blokes at, don't. You look at some of the others that have that are earning the money there, and there's always a premium for when you change clubs. When you change clubs, and this this article uh, and this series of articles actually brought that out. But you look at someone like a Jake Lever who came across. Uh, from Adelaide uh, on really big money. You look at uh, Stephen May as well, who they haven't performed as well as they wanted to perform. Melbourne had a lot of players in this particular bracket, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, they'd be paying their that maximum. That, to get them out mm. of their football clubs, we we know that other clubs wanted them. Mm. And you've got to go, okay, how, how can we beat these other clubs? So it's interesting. So was Melbourne probably out of the 100, did they have the most? Uh, they were r- right thereabouts. They were very close. Some of the clubs do it in a very different way, guys. They, you know, Geelong do it in a very structured sort of way. Hawthorne previously has always done it in a structured way. So, you know, the, the guns don't get the excessive 1.1, 1.2, 1.3 million. Part of the reason that they were never going to, they always thought they would lose Buddy, but they didn't mm. want to pay. They didn't want to break their, and Geelong's been very similar. They don't want to break their salary cap mantra of trying to keep as many close as possible. But Melbourne's the one that you look at it and you think the way they're performing, the number of high paid players they've actually got, it's not good enough really, is it? I don't want you to answer this now. I'm going to ask a question and anyone listening can just answer themselves and we'll go back and address it at the end. How many games has Max Gorn played in his career? So just have a think about that. He's 28 years old. How many games would he have played up until now? We'll come back to that later. Mm. So if you're playing at home, you can have a little think as we continue the discussion. We're going to change the topic now to the Brownlow medal. Lockie Neal, he's having a great season. He's so dominant, the Tab's even opened a favourite out market. Is the Brownlow medal going to the little star from Brisbane? I think as it sits right now, Quinny, there's only one man that can beat him, uh, and that man is Dustin Martin. Uh, I think he is a player who you would think at the moment, Lockie Neal is probably uh, champion data have got him uh, two best on grounds ahead in their predictor. Um, I think the last one they totally got right was Jimmy Bartell, so it was a fair fair way to go. But uh, I think Dustin is the one that could come home with a wet sail, and, and I can see him... I can really see him on the podium just knocking off Lockie Neal in the last round. He won't. I think Lockie Neal will win. But for the purposes of this podcast and getting up and saying, I want to thank Damien Hardwick. I want to thank, you know, I want to thank Neil Baum. I want to thank my teammates. I want to thank, you know, Ralph Carr. I want to thank Shane Crawford, the man (laughs) who got him going again in 2020. When Croft obviously said that Christian Petrarca might have gone past him in 2020. And belittled me for having Dustin Martin in my top four players. No, we're, we're talking Bully. three weeks ago. We're talking, Ooh. you take Jeez. Dustin Martin's form over the last three weeks is enormous. Absolutely love watching him. He's a superstar. And do you know what? Yeah, he's, he's one of the greats. He really has been. And in his Brownlow year, there was no better year. But um, three weeks ago, up until that form, if you're looking on consistency for 2020, there was other players ahead of him. What's actually happened in the last few weeks 
and what he's been able to do, the way he delivers the ball inside 50 is just incredible. Um, his gut running and just his explosiveness. Um, all of a sudden, yeah, I can't believe the odds on that, on him yeah. um, with Lockie Neal out is just incredible. But I think you also need to take into account sides that are winning. Obviously, Richmond are winning now, but Port Adelaide are winning. You know, Travis Bokes had a really good, consistent year. So someone's got to get the threes from there. Mm. And I'm thinking Travis Boke has to be right up there. I think Paddy Dangerfield also is a very good chance because he's a vote getter. He's explosive. He can have a real impact when he needs to, even if he goes out of the match for a little bit. When the match is Mm. on the line, who stands up? When you think of Geelong, Paddy Dangerfield marks, kicks goals, takes the game on, throws his body in. So he's certainly one that can get plenty of votes. Mm. Had a quiet fortnight, though, Dangerfield. But the overall Brownlow winner market, Lockie Neal currently at $1.90. Mm. That's about right, I reckon, Quinny. Very short. It's short, but I, he has been outstanding, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, I, I think it's backable, though, if you do like him. You I don't do, think, think it's it, too yeah. short. I do. Yeah. Um, Tab Chief Media Officer Trent Langscale reported that he opened $13, and there was one bet of 500 on him at $8 on June 20. So good luck there to the punters getting on Lockie Neal early Ooh. doors. Now, if you like anyone other than Lockie Neal, my advice would be to bet in the favourite out market because yep. there's not that much of a price difference between the overall winner and the winner in the same market, but with the favourite taken out. So mm. that's the most votes other than Lockie Neal. So Dustin Martin is into $13 to win the Brownlow. But the one that I like, and I hope you guys agree, is the favourite out market because I was surprised to see him a $9 third elect. I thought he'd be a clear favourite here. Oh, that's great value. So he's thirteen dollars to win it with Lockie Neal, which I think a week or two ago is twenty five. Yeah, twenty six. Yeah, twenty sixes. Sorry, um, and now you can get him at at nines for the for the Lockie Neal out market. That's outstanding value. That yeah, and you, you can just see him starting to yeah. click in here, and you can just see he's back to mm. Dustin and he just polls too, Crawford, doesn't he? I think I looked up. Yep. I think the last five seasons he's polled, I think nineteen votes in every year, and that's just sheer consistency, isn't well, it? Well, the, the thing is, last week they. Lost to the Giants. Green probably gets the three there. So Dustin Martin will probably get the two. Um, although Green gives a bit of cheek. So maybe the umpires go, do you know what? Dustin Martin was the best of field. So maybe maybe he does get the three. He probably gets the three from the game the other day. So all of a sudden, you know, once you start cranking, and if you can, if you can lock away a few of those threes, um, yeah, you're very much... You're in the money. You're right there. And and the way Richmond are tracking, they've, they're starting to connect really well. They're starting to get some senior players back. Some of the young players are just, you know, Shea Bolton, what a star he is. You know? So all of a sudden, things are just working well for Richmond. Mm. I know you're getting very excited, Quinny, because they're your team. But um, Three three in four years it would be, Quinny. That would just that be, would be greedy. How would that be? Just, just amazing. It's just greedy. <laughs> See, I've up had, until I've that point. In my lifetime. Well, Richmond had won two finals games <laughs> in <laughs> my lifetime up until 2017. Will you go to the Gabba and watch them in the grand well, final? Well, I was thinking about that. How would I get there? <laughs> when do you get into quarantine? You'll have to go into quarantine early. You'll have to make the call early. I know, people. We can get you across That's that an early border. crow, though, going up two weeks early <laughs> yeah, for a grand is. final. I'm sitting there watching. Sounds like a Collingwood <laughs> West Coast Collingwood or something. Um, I think Dustin Martin would have taken eight votes from his last three games. Yeah, and that's given the shorter season, Quinny, that's that's Huge. significant yep. amount. Christian Petrarca. Now it's fascinating. Again, Trent Langscale, some absolute gold. Guess what quote he was initially for the Brownlow, Christian Petrarca. Don't tell me it was like five hundred to one. No, he had to be two hundred, two hundred, because he'd had a good preseason. Seventy to one. He opened five hundred to one. <gasps> 
But you were telling me something earlier, one. Glenn, about Christian Petrarca and his history. Interesting about Christian Petrarca. But we'll get to that. Okay. A couple of bets. Like that. 50 at 500 to 1 on Jan 20. Oh. 50 at 251 on Feb 22. And then another 50 at 251 on Feb 20. Yeah. So geez. 500 to 1. Good luck. I just reckon he might have dropped off a little bit the last fortnight. Yeah, since, since we've pumped him up. Yeah. We or you. <laughs> this is strategic from Shane. So the concern for Petrarca when it comes to polling is what? It's an interesting scenario. I had a look it up before coming in here. How many votes do you reckon? Oh, you know the answer. Well, I, know I told the answer, you the answer. But... I was about to get oh, him going. No, just, just pose the, the question, I'll pose the question and let to... the listeners have a yeah, think yeah, for a couple of think seconds. About this. And we'll answer it at the end. This is a man who is heavily, you know, you know, have a huge chance to win the Brownlow this year. How many votes has Christian Petrarca polled in his career so far? So what is he, 23? Been around a years while. Years of age. He's been, yeah, probably, has he had 100 games? Number two draft pick. Yep. You would think, would you know. Uh, mm. So can I tell you? So, yeah, so everyone's had a think about it. We're having a think, think, think of a number. Think say it out loud as you're driving the car or has having a run. Has he had five seasons in the comp? Uh, that's a good question. I can double check that. Double uh, check that first. Yeah, we'll give, we'll give our listeners a chance. So a little bit of listening. I mean, they're not yeah, going to get listen. it anyway. So I, I think it's a good one. They've had plenty of time it's to an think about it. Interesting scenario. But no matter if he wins the Brownlow or not, it's great to see him deliver Absolutely. on what a lot of Melbourne supporters thought they Absolutely. might have seen three years ago. But now they're getting even more than they probably hoped, and he's now the best player probably to come out of that draft. All right, fantastic. And there were some people not that long ago were suggesting oh, he had a good year last year. A good year. He had good this games. Good games. This is a breakout season. Yep. This is this is exactly what we wanted from Christian Petrarca. He's got himself fitter. Um, I think the Melbourne, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure about the rest of the group, but he is fitter than I've ever seen him. He's leaner, he, he believes you stronger. can see, like, and that's the thing with Dusty Martin. You can see that he's just prepared to take on anyone. And and, and Petrarca's starting to have that feel about it. You can see yep. he's happy to take anyone on. And when players get in that mindset. It's uh, it's it's great viewing. I'm just double checking. Four completed seasons. Yeah, so it's fifth season. Correct. Okay. It's good call. Right. How many votes now? Can I have a guess? Yep, you sure can. Now I would have gone do, a bit higher. Do you know the answer? No, I don't know no, the answer. Don't. Okay. I don't know the answer. I would have gone higher, but right. you've built it up like he hasn't <laughs> polled well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know yeah. what? We will give you a tab voucher. $50 tab voucher, Nick Quinn, if, if you, you get it right. This. No, if I get it right, <laughs> you get to publish the journalists and footy oh, journals no, and what that. they're on. I want that, but uh, Robbo won't let that happen at the Herald would Sun. Would Robbo be the number one or Damien <laughs> Barrett, his arch nemesis? <laughs> would, uh, you're talking not at the Herald Sun. No, you're just talking overall. about overall. Oh, gee, that's um, that'd be interesting. That'd be interesting. With uh, I'm not sure what Damo's on. I'm not be sure. Be a lot. Be a lot. Yeah. yeah. Love maybe to be a maybe he does say. it for the I love. I, I know. I don't know what everyone is on in the Herald Sun, but there's there's always the the talk. And I you'd think be Robbo, on the podium. Oh me! Oh please! Jay I'd be Clark. So Jeez, off. I'd love to be a dollar behind Jay him. Jay Ralph. Jay Ralph. Jay Ralph. You've merged yep. two people. One of the here. hardest. Jay Ralph. No, Jay, Jay, as in Jay for John Ralph. Daryl Timms would be up there. <laughs> Daryl Timms. Cheerio to Daryl. Spoke to him last <laughs> week. Hey, the haircut. Bringing on good money. The haircut. But Robbo would be head and shoulders above anyone. Oh, on the Herald what about Jay Clark? He's on everything. He does get around a little bit, Jay. Uh, Max Gorn said he'd love to be a dollar behind Jay Clark. Oh, would he? Yeah. Oh, I like that. Can I tell Jay Clark Absolutely. that? Absolutely. It's fantastic. Now, Quinny, your okay. moment of trust. Oh, Where's number we five? I'll go five votes. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> he heard us talking no. before, didn't he? He heard us. Is, Is that right? Shane no, I didn't got know a, that. Shane has got – okay, I'll change this. Get That's out slightly, of here. Shane, Shane now owes you a $50 tab voucher. Outstanding. Exactly can, can five I, votes. Can I say, though, talk is the, the next question <laughs> you need to talk to the bosses. Please. The next question is, how many best on grounds has he got? None. 
Merging with Hawthorne. Oh, no. Actually, do you know, I had to think about Max Gore because I was trying to work out Melbourne. I'm like, and, you know, and when you have a ruckman that can really dominate, I'm like, what, what, what's going wrong? Why aren't they dominating through the middle all the time and so forth? You can get a bit tricky with it all. Like, rather than keeping it very simple, like if you have a ruckman that you know is probably not going to win, you keep it basic and you just go, okay, starting positions, let's just work, make it a 50-50 and we'll go from there. Whereas when you have a dominant Ruckman, you, you start playing games and you start doing wraparounds, you start, you know, going to all parts of the clock and it can actually throw everyone out of balance. And we used to have that with Aaron Sandilands. When he used to play with Fremantle, it was such an advantage because there was no one bigger. He'd just stand there and tap it wherever. But the thing is, he was trying to do all this tricky stuff. So half the players had no idea where it was going, what was going on. So that's where it's not an advantage when it gets to that situation. So I think Melbourne need to go back to just very basic football around stoppages. No tricks. Forget about the tricks. We don't want them anymore. We need to go, you know, real predictable football. We know we're going to at least get a 60-40 if the ball's hit our way and we'll just work from there. I think they need to simplify it, not actually have all the tricks. Anyway, I know that's gone off track, but... What a golden year it's been for the Ruckman, though. Yeah, it has. Look at some of the stars this year. You've got Max Gorn, Brody Grundy, Nick Nat, Big Wits, who's probably sneaking mm. under the yep. radar a little bit, and Todd Goldstein, Todd a Goldstein. career best season. And, there's, and he's a chance to be All-Australian Ruckman in a strange way as well. Who would you pick for the All-Australian Ruckman? Oh, it's tough, Go isn't on. it? It is tough. I'd probably pick Max at this stage. I've got to be friendly to Max as much as I can from here on in. Um, but no, I, I would probably pick Max at this stage. But there's a long way to go. I, I think Wits has to be a contender. Mm. And, and I really do mean this because without him, Gold Coast wouldn't be where they are. Like, he, he's been... And it's not about, obviously, the possessions, it's about an impact on game and what he does. And, you know, I think a lot of people can learn from what he's done. He's just kept it simple. Mm. He's, he's a giant of a man. He was their best and fairest winner from last year. But he, he's, he has to be in the top three ruckman in the league with what he's bringing uh, this year. Like, you, you just have to watch his tap work. And his impact on the game, and it's huge. It really it's is. It's amazing we haven't mentioned Grundy there. Like, Grundy's had a fantastic I year. I mentioned Grundy second in yeah, that yeah, list. Yeah, true. But we, we weren't talking about Grundy there. And he had he's had such a good year. But it's that connection between the actual, you know, hitting the ball out and the connection with the, on the ground at Collingwood is probably counting against him at the moment. All five deserve to be in the All-Australian no team. Doubt. But how many could you put in? You can only put two, I think. One on the field, one on the bench? Correct. Could you play Max at sort of centre-half back? Because he does play that sweeping role so well. <laughs> Well, he, he's great at getting in the hole. We love that. His kicking at times can be – but 
But they don't Most run past them. him enough. That's what I want to see. Yeah. Him mark it and these little zippy yeah. blokes go past him. True point. They yeah, run but, away from him. But the way Melbourne are kicking it, he looks at some of his teammates. He might be no, one I'm of the better ones. better off yeah. kicking it. <laughs> I'll tell you, okay, we're talking about how great Ruckman are. But, okay, give me the top four at the, in the competition at the moment. In the Ruckman? No, no, no. So you got, uh, you've got Port Adelaide. Okay. Yep. Kids no going well, though. The Ruckman. kid's going to yeah. be a good player. Port Adelaide, you've got Richmond Laddams. now. So no real recognised Ruckman, okay, mm. that we're talking about. You've got Brisbane. Well, and, so and no, they've had some issues, haven't they? Yeah. So and... there's no Ruckman there in their top five or six. St Kilda. You've got St Kilda there. Mm. And they've got a couple of The Paw Patrol, Ryder so, and Marshall. So we're talking about yeah. how great Ruckman are, but the top four sides actually don't have a, any Ruckman that are in the top four or five in the competition. Just a headline. Ruckman not needed not by needed. Shane Crawford. No, interesting Ruckman point. need to keep it simple. Mick Moldhouse used to always say that. You don't need them. But you do. You actually do. But he used to always say that. You don't need them. You look at the West Coast uh, in their Mick Malthouse areas, and even Collingwood. Admittedly, when Jolly came along, it really made a big difference for Collingwood. But um, it's an interesting point, Shane. Yeah. I, I think I, I'd rather I, one than not have one. You'd love a good one, yeah. But I, I, I think it comes back to really a simple plan. Yep. Because t- tricks, you can't have these tricks. Do you know what? They work once or twice a game, and it looks great and it moves really well, and everyone goes, wow. And then you try another seven or eight of those, and they don't work. And guess what? The opposition get the ball, and you lose the, the centre clearances and the, the boundary throw-ins. And, yeah, I, I think I think that's what needs to happen. Now, on Dustin Martin, he's $9 at the moment. I thought he should be about $4. If people listen to this and he's firm for the $9, which no doubt he will, what price should you back him down to? If you listen now and you're looking at six or seven or eight or five. I'm backing it at that, definitely. I would back him down to probably five. Uh, I think I would be happy to back him down to five, 450. I thought initially the market would be dusty at 450. I, I don't know about you, Shane, but that was my theory, that he should be about 450. He's a proven vote getter. But no one's hotter than him in the last couple of weeks. Do You just keep backing him then. Yeah, if you maybe. think he's going to win... Or be the next best. So you go down to what level? You just keep backing him, yeah. don't you? Because you're super confident. You're like, hang on, they're the wrong odds. We mm. all like finding the wrong odds. Yep. Yeah. But then you go, oh, no, hang on. The form that he's in, no, he's, he's going to slot in there. He, what's to say he can't win anyway? Well, that's – yeah, it's a good point. Because I, I do think really he's probably the only one that can run Neil down. He's got a, probably a pretty good break. And, and I think they only had him – Champion Data only had him two votes, two Brownlow best on grounds away from him in their original um, their predictor at the moment. So How many votes before, would they have had him on when we did this four weeks ago? You weren't there. Jimmy Bartel was there. Mm. Croft was there. Ganging up on me for putting Dusty in the top four. I don't, I don't think he would have been in the top ten. How many votes would he have been on then, do we think? I don't know. I'd have to go back with them, but it would probably you'd be probably looking at five. So that'd have um, him on thirteen then, if I'm yeah. correct. That he's got eight the last three games. Well, that, that's yeah. huge. If if that's the case, I, I think he'd be on thirteen huge. now, for sure. Maybe more. Maybe I think he'd be on thirteen. Might go back him Ooh. in this uh, favourite outmarket. Yeah, yeah, don't, don't, yeah. Can we just to wait win? to put this podcast up at a later date? <laughs> so if we get the nine dollars, us three, something will go wrong. But if correct. we chime in at yep. five dollars or four dollars late, yep. We'll make him a moral. So we'll take one for the team. <laughs> Absolutely. I like it. Now, some big games coming up in the next week. Before we look at them, how have you found the Festival of Football? I've loved some of it. I've loved the fact there's footy every night, sometimes two games. The one thing I miss, there's no time to digest the food and review. It's just this happened onto the next thing. This happened onto the next thing. I miss a cold Monday winter 
going back and listening to all the experts talk about the nine games from the weekend. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because I reckon, guys, I reckon we had too much of the experts for a period of time and we got a little bit, you know, experted out in a lot of ways, if you like. Um, but I think you're right. You do miss that little analysis because you moved on. And it's a bit like one-day cricket in a way. Back in the old day when they used to play one-day cricket all the time, the 50 overs or the big bash through the big bash sort of period where you sort of the games roll into the others and you can't really recall what actually happened when and where you remember the incident you're trying to remember who it was against and I think you're actually right I've loved it I married very well my wife loves footy so we've got no problem in our house but I do feel for some people in particular lockdown suburbs where the the TV is now becoming you know very harshly fought over in a lot of ways I think I think the next week is going to be Unbelievable from a viewing point of view because you got sides coming off four-day breaks, five-day breaks. You know, they've been really up against it now and this is where the recovery is going to be so important. So game style, how how's the game going to flow? You know, we saw a couple of games on the weekend where there was about uh, 36 in one end of the ground. That was Port Adelaide the other night, was it? Port Adelaide playing whoever they Bulldogs. Bulldogs, the Bulldogs. Was, yeah. yeah, so... And I think that's more the coaches going, do you know what? We don't want to run anymore. We want to shut this game down and we want to save ourselves for the next game. So I think there's going to be a bit of cat and mouse, but you still got to, you still got to kick a score. You've got to go hard early. Um, and I think what's going to happen, especially from a betting point of view, if you can look at the calendar and go, okay, this side's had a four-day break. They're coming up against a side who's had a five-and-a-half-day break. That's a massive message advantage. And so what would happen with the coaches – and the fitness staff, they would obviously focus on recovery, but they will be getting in the heads of these players and going, we've got to start well, boys. We've got to be on early. It's put doubt in these, you know, you, you, say if you're coming up against a Geelong who've, who've come up for a four-day break, you go, we want to start well. We've got to be up and about really early. And that's what will happen. Port Adelaide taking on Richmond will be an absolute ripper. But the thing is, Port Adelaide have a, had a day extra break. They will make sure that they start well. They will be throwing everything early to get – the mindset of Richmond going, oh, no, this is, oh, gee, I'm feeling sluggish. And, and during a year of football, um, say if you play 20 games, you've probably got three or four where you feel amazing and on top of the ground. The next five or six, it's like, oh, yeah, just getting through. And then you have, we all have these days when we exercise or go for a run where you feel like you've got concrete boots on. And you think, oh, my goodness. Well, AFL footballers have those days. You probably have three or four during the year at some stage. And that's where the mind gets tested more so than ever. It's just, I've got to keep moving. Got to keep going. Yes, I know I'm not going to feel great. And then you've got to manage your injuries around that. So it's it, the next couple of weeks are all about the head. I've got three small children, a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a three-year-old. And my lovely wife, Andrew, is very keen to go again, so I need to just keep her at arm's length. Oh, luck talking yeah. about how much money Jeez. Quiddy's on. One, when I looked at the fixture and I saw Friday 5.40 p.m., I thought, that's a ridiculous time. But out of all the games, that was the game that my kids loved. Has yeah. the AFL fluked into something here with that time slot? I think they have, Quinny, And I think particularly with the Friday as well, like um, – I know it's a story that I'm sort of developing for the Herald Sun over the next few days. In the fact is, I think what they're sometimes with this COVID scenario, we're going to fluke a couple of little gems that can be taken forward post COVID. And I think the double header Friday night is certainly something that is going to be under consideration. He's already under consideration at AFL headquarters. 
Um, and I think that fight, it's a great time slot for young kids. We want to get as many young kids watching as we can, don't we, in a, in a sense. And admittedly, it'll go, it'll be a long night. The Friday nights, we've already seen other long doubleheader nights, but I think that is a way of the future with the Friday nights. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I do agree that we need a break every now and then. Obviously, 20 days of football's a lot, and we do need to digest, think about it, plan for who we're going to pick. So uh, we do need a break during footy. So I do think, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then you just shut it down during a normal season. And I don't mind those double-up games. They're good. Although I didn't like it last week when I was driving home, and I don't know where I was, but I was driving home, and I flicked on the radio, and Hawthorne <laughs> five goals down to Carlton in the first quarter. And I'm thinking, what on earth has happened here? And all I can think about is, oh, I, sh- I wish I was at home just to see the shots of Alistair Clarkson in the coach's <laughs> box because I just know it would have been doing his head. But luckily, by the time I got home, they kicked a couple of goals and they were actually working their way back into a match. And that would be the problem, trying to get to the game if you're working yeah. and whatnot. It is the hard thing, and that's always going to be the hard thing. Um, and, it, and I don't know how they can work it. And maybe it's not the 5 o'clock. 540. It may be that it's 610 or something along those lines, but that is the awkward thing. But then the other game starts too late. Correct, but it might be in Perth and it starts late, so you, you've yeah. got the two games. But it is certainly something that's under consideration. They've talked about it for a while. I love the Thursday night games. I think the Thursday night game should stay. Uh, but Every talking... Thursday? I like them early and late in the season. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I, th- I really do enjoy the Thursday. I think it's a natural. We've tried other nights. Mondays don't work or anything like that, um, except in this extraordinary situation. But I think the plan going forward might be to have a number of double headers on a Friday night next year, next year, all being well with COVID and, and the like. But the, the secondary game would be in Perth, so it would give people yep. a bit of time to uh, to actually get to the footy. I don't, I don't like the double-ups. I don't like when there's a, a game on here and a Crossing game on over. there. I reckon mm. we can get it to a stage where you, that one game becomes mm. the focus, you know? so uh, Have you watched – you haven't done all the footy marathon yet. You haven't done everyone yet, so – you know, people that have done them all back to back. No, to back I, I, do, I could imagine there's a lot of people out there watching a lot of footy and, We're in and dissecting. Crawl, so. Yeah, no, I, I realise that. So, um, and you know, a lot of people out there they got strong opinions on what mm. should happen. And and sometimes when you're in a football environment, you just get so structured, and you know, you, you probably need someone from an outside point of view just saying, "Hey, what about chucking such and such in the forward line this week and and changing it up?" or or sides that are having stru- uh, like a Demons and the Bulldogs struggling kicking the ball inside 50. Let's flip it around. You know, what, what's that little tacker in the back line for the, for the Bulldogs with his Caleb helmet? Daniel, little Caleb Daniel. Hey, he's, he, a he's a beautiful user. Oh, yeah. Do you, know, do you see the way Dustin Martin uses the ball going inside? Around the body. Yeah. So How he, good is he? Caleb Daniel can do that. Mm. So why not actually give them half a chance every time they kick the ball in the forward yeah. line? Why don't we play him up around the wing and about half forward and say all we want you to do is kick the ball inside 50 because he hits targets. Mm. So just things like that where people have different opinions, different feels on it. And, you know, sometimes the general public are right, believe it or not, because you're just so consumed by it all and you're just not prepared to think outside everything you've got in front of you and the way you structure things up. Okay, it's time to finish with Quinn Trivia. Ooh. Oh, Quinn oh. Trivia. Mm. What draft pick was Max Gorn? Oh, I, I think oh. he was. Like, I think he was like a sixty something, was he? Yeah, yeah I'll say a, six. Draft pick number sixty-two. I remember the day he was drafted. I can't remember where it was, but I think he did. He have a film crew or something? Did he have a, a, a photographer? I would say a fifty-eight. I don't know. 
He was pick 34. 34. Oh, an excellent pick there from the D's. What a good selection. How many games has he played? He missed a lot. He did miss with the, with the knees. I, I reckon he'd have to be up around 140, 150. I, I'll go, uh, oh, that's a lot. He's been pretty consistent over the last. Yeah. Hasn't missed a lot years. other than that so, 27. Oh, I'll say 142. I'll say 132. 121. Gee, we've both go. overshot the runway there, haven't we? He took yeah. a lot of time to get in the team yeah. and then he was in and out for a while. Mm. The, the biggest problem from this, though, he's yeah. got horses with Matty Williams down at Waterball. Well, and Matt Williams read the Herald Sun and yeah. rang him and said, I'm going to the Magic Millions on your behalf. <laughs> as you would, as you would, uh, because not many people, and I know, Quinny, you, you are clearly on good cash. You must be. To have a Flemington winner, I've, I've tried for 30 years, no, maybe not 30, but 25 years to have a Flemington winner. You've had it twice. Was it three times or twice? No, twice with Kuramay. So she's wow. been fantastic. Beautiful. So hopefully Max can continue <laughs> that luck at the sales early next year. Don't sneeze at those sales too. It can be very expensive. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm banned from them now. So they're all over. Now, let's try and make some cash. I think we can all agree our best value is the $9 on, on. Dustin Martin in the favourite out market. By the time you listen to this, he no doubt will affirm. He has to affirm because that price is simply too good. If he's anything $4 or better, I think it's still a very yep. good bet. Yeah, 100%. That is the value. Shane now has put that $100 vouch- tab voucher that, Thank he, you. that he actually owes into your account. Very so. kind. <laughs> What's your best bet this weekend, Macca? Best bet this weekend, uh, well, it is an early one. Collingwood into Collingwood in the next two weeks. Uh, in the next week and a half, they play early. So Collingwood is to beat Sydney. Is that too early to have a Thursday? No, you can do that. Collingwood to beat Sydney. Into Collingwood to beat Adelaide. Yep. Now, the rationale behind that is really weird because the Pies are coming off probably their worst loss that I can remember in a long time. It was pathetic against Fremantle, but they've been reunited with their families, uh, which I think is really important. So they, that was probably the loss that they had to have. They're coming off a, a West Coast one. So I'm going to go Pies into the Pies. I'm not sure what value that'll give me, Quinny. But not much. Not a lot, but we're just, we need a winner. We've got the value bet with Dusty sitting there. Uh, but I'm going to take that. Dollar fifty-five, sort of Nick Quinn odds, but we'll cop it $1. if it wins. Five. We better throw West Coast. No, 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 against no, no, Carlton no, no. Because if well. you throw another leg in, you know what will happen. So we're just going to take the dollar <laughs> fifty-five and not be greedy. I agree with Collingwood. Uh, they'll bounce back against the Swans. Let's put a little bit of margin in it. So yeah, twenty-five plus Collingwood by twenty-five plus into Melbourne to win by twenty-five plus against Adelaide. Twenty-five plus against Adelaide. It is Adelaide. Yeah. Uh, they're Value. off, although they've got some good inclusions. But I think Melbourne, if you look at their form, you wipe out last week, mm. the last few weeks prior to that, they were good against Brisbane. They smashed the Hawks. I think they're, yeah, I think it's just last week was one of those weeks where they're running around with cement boots. So I think that's the way to go, Quinny. Just looking for a bit of value, trying to uh, pump it up. I think Collingwood and Melbourne will definitely win, but I think both those matches can be a bit of a margin. I wouldn't disagree with any of that, and I do think it will play relatively Mm. to form over the next week. I think we've seen a few banana skin results, but it's now starting to settle down a little bit. So I'm quite happy just to play a conservative multi-bet, taking Collingwood to knock off the Swannies. And I'm just going to roll that into GWS against the Bombers. Unfortunately, I think the Bombers have been pretty brave in the face of a lot of adversary and a lot of injuries, but it's starting to catch up with them. And the Giants, they simply can't afford to drop games. They should be winning. So happy to double my money there. Good bet. Gents, it's been an absolute pleasure. Been great fun, Quinny. Thank you. And thank you to you, Shane. Good on you, Glenn. Good on you, Nick. How close to that 800,000 did you get that year? Oh, I don't know. It's probably one year. He's probably, I got probably close. Got and then, do you know what happened after that? Buddy arrived and not, all the money went. Disappeared. And, and the women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it, with Ruffy and, and Bud.
He doesn't know what to say now, does he? <laughs> Caught him off guard for once. You've been listening to Tabs Inside 50. <laughs>